Hey guys, just a reminder that tickets for Holy Ground are on sale. Please go to stpauls.church holyground to purchase them. It's going to be an awesome weekend. We've got some exciting things planned. Welcome to Generation Podcast, where we have real conversations about what God is doing in this generation. Well, my name is Josh Mann, and joining me once again is Sam Haywood. How are we? I'm fantastic. How are you, Josh? I'm going really well. You're back from Fiji. I'm back from Fiji. I survived the terrible disease that I got over there, sepsis. Sepsis is the danger zone, everybody. But the Lord sustained my life. And I'm here. Nice. You spent more time in hospital than not in hospital. Well, more time in in beds. Yeah, I had one day of health. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a good day. Nice, nice. But while you're in bed in Fiji, Mm. feeling out of control, you were listening to the podcast we recorded about control, right? That's a funny story because I was literally thinking, I have no control. I was in this village. There was, you know, like, there's no hygiene i just felt actually scared completely out of control like i can't get out of this situation i got really anxious and i was like whoa maybe god's trying to teach me something meanwhile literally at the same moment you guys are here in sydney recording a podcast on control and you send me the the draft or whatever we pre whatever the heck we call it the recording before it goes out and i listened to it and i remember texting ash i was like i was so thankful because um what you guys talked about really ministered to me in a moment of feeling out of control. And um, I, I didn't realize how much I idolized it until I lost it. Yeah, wow. Which, so I'm going on this journey with you guys. Awesome. This is great. That's great. Uh, Ashley, did, Joe did a phenomenal job uh, two weeks ago she when did. she came in the studio and recorded it for us or with us. Um, so we just want to thank Ashley Joe again. Yeah. Absolutely nailed One of the it. Great stories. One of the greatest stories of all time. Oh, yeah. That's Sweet. fantastic. The greatest plot twist in a story oh, of all time. I oh, know. Yeah. So thank you, Ash. You, you're fantastic. Yeah, so that was last week when we did Control. This week, we're looking at the idol of security. Oh. Now, from the outset, Control and security, sounds they sound pretty similar. And in fact, they are pretty linked. The mm. fact where you feel out of control, you may feel insecure, and maybe you're starting to idolize the same sort of things. Mm. So last week was control. This week, we're looking at security. Mm. What the heck is that? What the heck is security? I don't know. I've never had it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm very secure. Wow. Um, there's a couple of different definitions. In fact, two definitions of security that we'll run with today, both out of the Webster's Dictionary, the faithful Webster's. Uh, the first definition we've got of security is the state of being free from danger or threat. So that's a, a very material kind of sense of security. Yeah. The second sense, uh, sorry, the second definition is a thing deposited or pledged as a guarantee of the fulfillment of an undertaking or the repayment of a loan to be forfeited in case of default. Now, that sounds very odd <laughs> and abstract. Was that insecurity? No, no, no. That's the second de- definition of security. Nice. And it's a monetary kind of... Um, it's kind of like a, a like a down payment that secures the thing. Oh, so, you know, yeah. if, if you're buying a house, yep. which I'm sure you do all the time, 
Uh, not yet. Not you, you sign it. You sign a contract and you put a a down payment on the house. Yes. You know, which is kind of like a security. Ben did that. Did you do that? Yep. Yeah, you did that. Mm-hmm. So when you've when you've paid the security on the house, you actually own the house. It's it's guaranteed to be given to you, even though you haven't been, mm. even though you haven't paid the full price. Right. That's exactly what Jesus does with us with His blood. There's been a down payment that's like bought our salvation, which we know that we have eternal security that will reap what Christ has placed a down payment on. Okay. Okay. That's cool, right? Yeah, it's awesome. So security is the feeling or it can be immaterial and material, and material. right? It can be a feeling, a sense of security, but also security in the immaterial objects, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because there's kind of like if uh, you are in a third world country and it's really dangerous, you can have really high fences yep. around your property. Like friends in South Africa have like serious thick concrete walls around their houses with barbed wire fences so that they will be secure, yep. right? Free from danger or threat. Um, we also wanted to give a definition of insecurity yeah. as well because as we were preparing this, we were thinking insecurity is how we experience the problem of idolizing security, right? Typically, and our generation has an epidemic of insecurity. <laughs> and so the definition of insecurity is, there's two again. The first is uncertainty or anxiety about oneself, a lack of confidence. And they give a, an example here. He had a deep sense of insecurity. And the second is the state of being open to danger or threat, a lack of protection. And the example given is growing job insecurity. Yeah, well, so when when we feel insecure, when we're going off that definition, mm. when we feel like there's we're, we're not good enough in our job or our job security is, is limited, we feel like they, they could be letting us go from here or there, we find areas in our life to hold on to that make us feel secure. Is that right? Yeah, because uh, let's take job insecurity. It's the fear of the unknown. Like no one's come up to you and said, hey, I'd watch out. Your your job is in jeopardy. You might get a phone call. Um, but that might not be the present reality at all. Your boss might be very happy with you. But you might have a, an irrational feeling of job insecurity. You might think at any moment, my boss could come in here and say, you know what? You're done. You're fired. And that's a sense of insecurity. And it's the same in an identity sense. So if we don't have a security of identity in Jesus Christ, a full awareness of who we are based on who God has said that we are, when someone comes to you and says, hey, Josh, I reckon what you did actually made God really disappointed with you, right? Which is totally untrue, both theologically um, and experientially. But if you're not assured of your identity in Christ and you have insecurity in your identity, you might listen to that and go, you know what? Maybe God really is disappointed and frustrated with me. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then yeah. that will have flow on effects with how you relate to God. Mm-hmm. You'll probably want to hide your sin from God yeah. rather than going to God with your sin yeah. and saying, cleanse me. Yeah. Um, and so it's really, really important to to think about this idol of security because it can explicitly, well, is explicitly linked, like all the idols, to your relationship with God. Mm. And if you if you are secure in your relationship with God, then the rest of your life and the the seemingly huge problems in your life will be minimized because because you're secure in the God that is in control. 
And that's what we talked about last week, right? Mm. Um, so we've talked about security. We've talked about insecurity. Uh, but I want to get into the fact that God has made us secure, as you alluded to before. Yeah. And security is a good thing. And there's two ways this plays out, right? There's immaterial security, which mm. is our feelings, our identity. But then there's material security. And God has created both those things for us. Do you want to flesh that out? Yeah, definitely. I think God really wants us to know that we are secure in yeah. Him. Uh, it's it's more than saying God wants you to feel secure. God wants you to know even if you feel secure or not right now. And if you're listening to this podcast and you yeah. think, I really don't know what God thinks of me. I don't know how God is going to make my life pan out. Um, God wants you to know, regardless of whether you feel that way or not, He thinks in a very specific way about you and has a very specific plan for your life and wants you to know it so badly that He uh, tells you often in His Word both of those things. And so when it comes to, let's say, immaterial insecurity, which is a sense of identity insecurity, Ephesians 2.19 says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So this passage tells you a couple of really profound things about how God sees you. The first thing that it says is you are uh, no longer a foreigner to God. You are not just a citizen in God's city, you are a co-heir with Christ. You are a child of God and you've been adopted into his family. And I think it's better to be adopted than born into a family because when you're adopted, you're chosen specifically by your parents. And so God has chosen you because he desperately loves you that much. And the second thing that it says is uh, God has actually given you a purpose he says that God is built your house, a dwelling of his Holy Spirit, and Jesus is the cornerstone of that house, and God has a place for you, an actual specific place. He's given you gifts, he's given you experiences, talents, abilities, um, by the power of his Holy Spirit, to do something very specific, to be a blessing and a gift to the kingdom of God. Yeah, wow. So when, when we do have those feelings of, oh, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not good enough for my job. I'm not good enough at school. I'm not good enough in my friendships. Mm -hmm. We have those insecure feelings of who we are. Mm -hmm. We need to remember that we are adopted into the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And that's what we've got to keep reminding ourselves. Mm. So security is a good thing. It's not only a good thing. We, it's not only a good thing. We, in fact, have security. You have security already. Already. Before we even start this discussion about idolizing security, you already have security if you have a relationship with God. Yes, absolutely. And it's like you could you could struggle with this for the rest of your life. You know, you you could be like 22 right now listening to this, feeling like, I really don't know what the Lord thinks to me. I really feel uh, like I'm a burden to the church. And, you know, 
God is going to take you on a journey, but say hypothetically, you by the time you're 80 still feel the same way, right? You're going to step into glory, see God face to face. And in that moment, realize you never had to think that way because God never changed the way that he thought about you, even if you never saw yourself in the correct light. Yeah. And so how that's immaterial, that's security. immaterial. So when we talk about material security, how does that play out? Yeah, I, I love this passage in Matthew, which talks about material security. For me, it's been a, a bedrock of faith in moments where I've felt immense insecurity materially. So there's a passage in Matthew 6.25 where um, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, or in a sense, they don't have bank accounts. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Isn't it frustrating that Jesus has to convince you legitimately that you're more important than a bird? (laughs) Can any one of you, by worrying... At a single hour to your life. And he goes on, Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So, Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I love that. He knows that you need them. And then Jesus gives the application. So you've heard all of this stuff like, I don't need to worry what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, where my rent money is going to come from. It's good in theory, right? Good in theory. But what do you do? Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom, his kingdom and his righteousness. And remember, we talked about his kingdom, not our kingdom a couple of episodes ago. And all these things will be given to you as well as a little bonus. That's so good. So when we are living for ourselves, living to build our kingdom up, we feel a necessity to hold on to material possessions, to hold on to things to make us look good, to build our kingdom. Mm. But on the flip side, if we're living for God's kingdom and just pursuing God's kingdom no matter what, in our life at uni, life at school, in Mm -hmm. our job, it could be in a secular workplace. If you're still building God's kingdom in your secular workplace, he will provide for you. That's a promise. It's it's not. (laughs) This is not a theory. This is a promise. This is from the Bible in his word. Jesus explicitly spoke it to the people. Uh, his disciples back then, but also to us. Mm. Can I tell a story about that? Because sometimes sometimes it can seem hypothetically like, yeah, God will provide if I have faith and supernaturally he'll make a way. Uh, It's actually true. It actually happens. I have two stories. One that comes to mind. uh, I went to Pacific Hills Christian School, a little shout out. And our principal told a story of once they were doing a food drive and they had these big buckets, sorry, pots of curry. And there were hundreds and hundreds butter, of people. Butter chicken? Probably. Let's just say hypothetically it was butter chicken. That's great. Uh, and there were hundreds of people and they were going to run out of food, right? And Dr. Boyce tells this story where they basically got to the bottom of the pot 
and they they were scraping the bottom of the pot, and it just kept going. That's so you know, good. Dozen if, if people. It, if it was butter chicken. Two dozen oh people. <laughs> you know, and God is just miraculously providing food. Um, they were worried that they were going to run run out, and they didn't run out. That's so good. Um, personal story from my life. I remember. Uh, a few years ago, God had called me to the city to pastor this church and, and to come on staff at this church. The problem was that uh, the church didn't have enough money to pay me. They could only pay me about, you know, basically nothing. And I had this moment with the Lord. I went to a cafe and I really wanted to spend some time with God. And I felt like he wanted to say something to me. And so I sat down and I said to him, I was like, God, what are you what do you want me to do? What are you, what are you saying? So I, I sit down, I order a coffee and I, I hear the Lord say to me, Sam, I want you to go full time now, right? And the church couldn't afford to pay me more than one day a week. And I was living in Piemont and it was really expensive. And I thought, uh, God, I, I can't, I, I can't go full time. How will I pay my rent? How will I pay my groceries? And the Lord said to me, no, it's time for you to go full-time right now. And so I, I ran the numbers and I said to the church, this is how much my rent costs. If you can pay my rent, I'll go full-time. I think God wants me to go full-time. Anyway, so I go full-time and I never was in need for that whole year that I was there in that church. And it became abundantly clear to me after a few months why God told me to go full-time because um, he had some things that he needed me to do in that church. Um, people just gave me money, would just call me up and be like, hey, I think God wants me to give you X amount of dollars. And it was always in the last second, the last moment, couldn't buy groceries that week. And, you know, God would just provide miraculously. Awesome. It's, it's, That's it's so incredible. Because we hear about those stories in the Bible. Everyone's mm. like, oh, yeah, feeding the 5,000 awesome like that is an incredible story if you yeah. if you really think about it, it's an incredible story but it actually happens in it happened in your life and it continues to happen yeah and, and that's what we need to remind ourselves that god is doing miraculous things around the globe mm. every single second mm. and before we get into the rest of this podcast we just need everyone to know that you are secure mm. you are secure in god both in your identity but also in your material security. He will provide you the things that you need if you're running after his kingdom. Absolutely. And that should birth faith because we should go, okay, I'm secure. I'm untouchable. You know, it should just lead to this sense of, I, I can go wherever the heck God calls me to go. I can take whatever risks, give however much of myself God calls me to give with full assurance that if I'm seeking first his kingdom, he will provide for my needs. Exactly. That's what we should do. Well, we're going to take a little break from our podcast to get a little bit of insight into Josh Mann's life of injuries. You had one of <laughs> the most disgusting injuries I've ever seen in my life. It was great. This week. What happened? Um, the best way to explain it is my pinky finger on my left hand exploded. It left, it left the top of it, left the bottom half behind. It had like it's like the top half of your pinky had a mind of its own. It didn't want to be around anymore. It, it didn't want my, to fire you. Like, I'm my, out. My finger, my finger got divorced. <laughs> 
Yes. Oh, Josh. Uh, I dislocated my left pinky finger and the bone was out of the skin. And what's sad about this is that your other hand is also horrendous. <laughs> like you can't physically shuck it. <laughs> you can't shuck it. You can't shuck it. <laughs> Just, I wish this well, was well, on no, camera. I, right. I might take a photo of this and then put it on the, <laughs> That's great. The Instagram. Well, so my... Check Instagram, <laughs> this will make sense. Yeah. My... I did the exact same injury three years ago on my right hand. So yes, I can't shuck us on my right hand. And as a result of this injury that I've just, that's just happened to my left, shuckers is done. Shuckers is over you got weak, He's got weak pinkies. Yeah, weak pinkies. Lanky, weak pinkies, right? And so I've got to have the splint on. It's going to smell. So if you're around me. <laughs> it doesn't have to smell, no, mate. It, nah. it, it, it's just sweat. It's sweat. That's the reason for those playing at home. The reason Josh's other finger looks like that is because we bullied him out of wearing his brace because it started to smell so exactly. bad so it's like don't wear it I'm sick of it so and now his fingers just curled over exactly so <laughs> I'm having a straight pinky and it's going to mean I'm going to smell so if you're around me in the next six weeks I'm sorry yes I wear deodorant but it's my splint on my pinky so suck it up <laughs> <laughs> well Josh it's been great to get to know you very intimately today <laughs> in a gross story let's get back to the podcast But why, <laughs> why and how is this an idol? Yeah. If security is a good thing and we have it, then why is it an idol and how is it an idol in our society? There's a couple of different things. Uh, one, we're influenced by the world around us, which doesn't trust God in the way that Christians trust God. Uh, two, we have gospel amnesia. We forget. We forget these passages. I mean, I'm sure as we're reading these things now, you guys are going, yeah, I knew that, but yeah, I needed to hear that again because I was worried about this thing in my life. And now I remember the security that I have. And we need to constantly be reminding ourselves of the faithfulness of God um, in His Word throughout our life. Like I keep telling myself, God has never failed me once. He's not going to fail me today, you know. And the second thing is, um, maybe we, we should talk about how our world influences us in this sense. Exactly. And that's a thing. When we, in, a, in our world, in our society, when we have a problem, we're just told to make a decision. Mm-hmm. We're told, you can fix your problem. You can control your future. All you need to do is decipher what the problem is and then make a decision to correct it. Mm-hmm. And we... Because inf- what else do does the world have nothing it's all about you all about how you make decisions if you can't make the decisions you need to go and find someone else who can help you make that decision right and so we're told that if you're if you feel insecure if you're having these feelings of insecurity in your personal life or you don't have enough money Mm. you don't have uh, enough of what the world says is important like a house a family Mm. then you need to fix yourself up you need to make a decision that will make you better, more secure in Mm. the eyes of the world. Take control. And that's what the message, that's the message of the world. That's what the message of society is saying. Mm. Make a decision, take control and make yourself secure. Yeah. And when we do that, we're taking the onus off God and put it on ourselves. Yes. And so in my mind, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm. in my mind, the way we idolize security is simply that we don't trust God enough. Yeah. Essentially, that's basically what it boils down to. The foundation of idolizing security is a lack of trust in the Lord. 
There's a really helpful story from the book of Isaiah that unpacks this in God's people that might give us a little bit of insight into what this looks like. In Isaiah 31, in Isaiah 30, verse 1, it says, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me. So God is saying, my people are doing all of these things. They're making plans without asking me what my plan is. They're forming alliances with other nations, but not by the leading of my Holy Spirit. And the, the, the third one was, um, they're going down to Egypt without consulting me. Yeah. Right? And so, why do we do that? Because we do that. We, even in the church, even in church leadership, will think, okay, here's a problem. Let's get a think tank together and come up with a rational, intelligent solution. And then we'll pray at the end for God to bless our idea. God would say, you carry out a plan that's not mine. You created an alliance, but not by my spirit. And you went to Egypt without consulting me. And then we wonder why we feel like we have to sustain that thing and why we feel insecure because there's a there's a truth in this that what god creates he sustains <laughs> what we create we have to sustain yeah. if god declares something over us or, or or gives us a promise or gives us an idea or gives us an insight into his plan and we're just obedient to that we can have assurance it was god's idea if god created it god will sustain it but if it was our idea we got to sustain it. Exactly. So what, is it, what does it look like in someone's life to idolize security then? Mm. We're talking about you're yeah, making a decision and, and speaking about or making decisions based on your plans and on God's plans. Practically speaking, what does it look like? What has it looked like in your, in your life? A uh, couple of different things. Um, a lot of it has to do with the size of our bank account typically is what we think gives us security because you know uh even even reading books like the barefoot investor which i think are really helpful and and personal finance book they'll say things like you need to have a six month salary buffer you know so that if you lose your job uh you can have six months of of getting no income essentially you create job security for yourself um and that's how our world functions. It's like if I don't have a surplus of grain, quote unquote, in a barn, quote unquote, <laughs> I don't have security, quote unquote. You know, and Jesus literally is going, stop storing up for yourselves treasures on earth, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, because I got you, bro. Like, I think it's what stops us from being generous. Because like, if I'm generous, then I don't have security right? Because I'm giving away not my money, I'm giving away my security because my money is my security. security. Wow. So we turn material possessions into our security. Yes. We turn money into our security. We turn our house into our security, mm -hmm. our kids, our wife, mm -hmm. our family. Our pedigree, our profile, our public perception. Rather than just looking to God. Absolutely. So what's the alternative to idolizing security? Oh boy, just trusting the Lord. <laughs> it, it, 
it really comes down to an awareness of I have security already. I don't need to manufacture security because I already have more security than I could ever dream of. Like, what I love about that passage in Matthew is Jesus is saying, little birds have security. Grass has security. (laughs) Why don't you think that you're more important than a blade of grass that you have to store up security for yourself? God actually loves you. (laughs) Like, He is intimately involved in your life. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He cares about, and the word says, he cares about you having food on your table. He cares about you having a roof over your head and clothes on your back. He cares about it so passionately that you don't even need to worry about where it's going to come from tomorrow. Yeah. And just a practical example of what obedience towards God looks like in our world. I was going to quick, I tell a quick story. Yeah. Um, I have a really good friend who works at Pacific Hills Christian School, actually. He is about to, or him and his wife are about to go on a journey to Canada mm. at the end of the term coming up. Uh, and to do so, they are getting, they are quitting their jobs here in Australia. They are selling their cars. They are getting rid of their material security here in Australia, in Sydney, where they feel comfortable. They're going to Canada, teaching in a Christian school in Canada because they feel called by God. Wow. And that's what security is. Yes. They have true security. Yes. They don't need a car. They don't need money. They don't need a job in Australia where they're familiar. Where They're, pro- they're probably going to come back to Australia. Mm. They, know, mm. they know that they're at least going to be teaching for two, two years, but they're going to come back to Australia at some point. And in their minds, they said, well, yes, we're going to come back to Australia probably, but we don't need those things to be secure. I love that. Because we've got God. So we've got to constantly remind ourselves to listen to God, to look towards God. But that's easier said than done hmm. sometimes. How, like Practically, mm. how do we listen to the voice of God? See, that's what this boils down to, right? Because as we were, we were talking uh, on Friday with, the, with some of our research team, we were like, this boils down to knowing how to actually hear the voice of God. And if, if you don't know what God wants you to do, then how are you going to walk forward in obedience? And we were like, we've got to teach our people better to hear the voice of God. Uh, and what that looks like for me is so often in the past, I would be presented with a problem. I would, you know, pull out a notebook and try and come up with a solution to that problem. But what I've recognized is God's intimately involved in my life and he has a lot to say to me um, through his word, but also through his uh, very unique specific word over my life spoken through his Holy Spirit. So if I have a really big decision to make or any decision to make or something that I'm wrestling with, I actually have uh, several groups of people that I'll be like, hey, can we have Friday night to come together and pray and seek the Lord and discern what He wants because I want to submit to what He wants. And we'll, we'll get together and you know, I'll explain the decision or I'll explain what I need to hear from God on and we'll, we'll just come before the Lord and pray and open the Word and listen to His voice. And often there'll be a consensus that, okay, God, I think, I think God's saying that you need to go. 
or I think God's saying that you need to stay, or I think God's saying you need to do a podcast on idols, you know, <laughs> like, or I think God's saying our vision for this year should be to seek the face of God. I mean, all the decisions that we've made in this ministry have been by us getting together and discerning what God wants us to do. And it's transformed our, correct me if this isn't your experience, mm. it's transformed how we do ministry, let alone life. Yeah. And the thing about that, what you just described, is it takes time. Yeah. And that's what our society doesn't have. And we get, in the church, we get caught up in it. Mm. We're like, God, talk to me. In three seconds. <laughs> in the, <laughs> read the, we read the Bible for 10 minutes. And in our world, that is a long time. Yeah, right. And we're like, well, God hasn't spoken to me. Close your Bible. Get on guess with, I, get guess on I'm with free it. to do what the heck I want. Yeah, I guess I have to make the decision myself. Mm. But what's different about what you, how you make decisions or how you've changed the way you make decisions is actively seeking God's face, mm-hmm. seeking his will for your life. And it will take time. It often takes hours, mm. but it it means you actually have to not want to leave until you hear from God. Exactly. And doing it with other people yeah. ensures that... There's accountability yes, to it. exactly. And that's really important. I mean, with, uh, with the prophetic, it's like if you have a sense of like, oh, God told me to do this thing. You know, um, 1 Corinthians says that we need to authenticate prophecies in, in groups um, so that there's a sense of accountability to that. And that's been very important for our ministry to be like, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll come to our team and think and say, and we've done this a lot. Um, hey guys, I think that this might be what God wants for us. And here's what he's been saying to me. And here are all the scripture verses. I'm just going to lay it out for you. And I want you to pray. And I want you to tell me if this resonates with you and if God is saying the same thing to you. And there's all, there's all in our team, there's been a consensus on pretty much everything. But there have also been things that... Uh, I have thought were the Lord and it was actually, he was trying to say that about something else and we needed to discern that together in community. Yeah. Yeah. But all this boils down to realizing who we're listening to. When it Mm. comes to your own security, who are you listening to? Are we listening to our money? Mm. Are we listening to our friends? Are we listening to our family? Or are we listening to the God who is in control, who is in control of absolutely everything. But remember, you already have profound security. Yeah, We already have profound security in that God who is in control. So when it comes to our security, who are we listening to? The God that is in control, that has given us security, or something of this world that will fade, that will go away, and that will not last. Mm. I know we're out of time, but I think it's important to talk about Jesus and how he gave up um, his experience of heavenly security to come into the earth, into poverty, you know, like born in a stable. The the scripture says that the son of man had no place to rest his head. And, you know, he was nomadic and homeless and r- relied on the generosity of of believers as he went from town to town and, you know, was probably always dusty and just Jesus had a a profound awareness that God, his father was his provider. Mm. And Jesus didn't have to live a life like that. He, he was in heaven, but chose to give up his experience of security that he might go to the cross and even 
lose his experience of security in relation with the Father, that we might have assurance that, you know what, Jesus was willing to do that, that I might have the security with the Father that he has and security in heaven that he has. Jesus gave up his security so that we could have it. It's beautiful, right? It's awesome. I love Jesus. We're going to leave it there. Great way to finish. <laughs> Great way to finish. Uh, remember, you already have security. Mm. It had, it's been paid on the cross. He's paid it forward like we said at the start. And that's what we need to hold on to when we make our decisions. Seek God's face, not our own ambition. Mm. Well, thanks so much, guys. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please keep talking about it. Please ask us questions if you need to. But remember, renewal in our generation must start with a renewal of our hearts. Each episode of the Generation Podcast is brought to you by members of St. Paul's Castle Hill. This week's podcast was brought to you by Sam Clark and Daniel McGowan. Thank you so much for your faithful service.